On this episode, Cruella stops by. And this is episode 215 of the Ask Gary V Show. And this is a fun show. I've got a whole crew with me. And I'm in the VaynerMedia LA office as we uh, normally drill this in New York City. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm excited about this uh, episode. Uh, I think we actually have similar uh, backgrounds into how we got to this moment. So actually, let's start with that. Vayner Nation, please, uh, why don't you guys introduce yourself to everybody? Why don't you tell them who you are and what you do? All right, I'm Jahan. I'm Yasmin. We are Cruella. This is our manager, Jake, one of our managers. Hi. <laughs> and so for everybody who's watching, what is Cruella? Like, what, what do you guys do? Like, where'd you guys come from? What kind of music genre? Like, how do you guys roll? We're from Chicago. Gotta get that in first. Like, I graduated like, with Jake, this guy. Is that true? Yeah, yes. we're all from Chicago. Now, now, hold on, hold on. I actually did a little bit of homework beforehand. Did you grow up, are you from Chicago or a suburb we're of Chicago? We're from a suburb of Chicago, cool. but like we like to rep the city, because we de- definitely did live there. In I'm, I'm freaking, by the way, on a side note, this is amazingly weird timing. I'm obsessed right now with Chicago hip Good. Oh, great. Oh, yes. Like, like, yes, but more so Chance the Rapper, and even and I'm obsessed with Saba. Like, I, I think Chicago is like, which, by the way, this is a weird thing to say. I don't want to get like beat up right now in my own show, but like, I'm, I'm historically pretty disrespectful to Chicago, just as an FYI. Why is that? I want to be authentic. I, 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 maybe because it's a little New York bias, and I, I'm disrespectful to every city besides New York. I don't know. I'm I'm weird about Chicago. It makes me sad to say that because Brandon Warnicky, who runs Wine Library, my best friend in the world, is a huge Cubs fan. So I have a lot of love for that. I don't know. Like it's always windy. Like I don't know. Like I don't know. But it, it gives you thick skin. If you're like, walking to work every day, walking to school, and you have this like brutally cold, frozen, burning your cold, face off, blowing at your literally. face, you have to do that every day. You can handle anything. Mm. There's some truth to that. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about your music, because I think it's really cool, and then I think we will go into uh, to the questions. No India today, so we've got a substitute, but I think you didn't do a great job. I'm very confident. <laughs> you guys want to go a little bit more? All right. Here? We are electronic dance music artists. We're singers, songwriters, and DJs. Uh, we are currently working on our second follow-up EP, The Ammunition, which we just released a month ago. Going on the Sweatbox tour in fall, which is in tiny venues, like sweaty punk rock venues, and we're bringing our whole like rock and rave uh, style there. So that's currently what's happening for us right now. And so when I was doing a little bit of like, I actually have, there's a lot of fans at Vayner of your guys' work. There were some people that were pretty excited in New York that were sad to find out the show was being filmed here. Um, for, for the music enthusiasts out there, I kind of asked this off camera before we started, which I hate doing, which is why I'm bringing it up. What kind of pop for you? Like, how did you guys hit the scene? I think one of the things I'm most fascinated by, and knowing there's a lot of entrepreneurs uh, and business people and marketers here, I do think the internet is the true middleman. I was curious about kind of like, I asked you like, when, when, when was your pop moment? When, when did you guys pop? And you kind of laughed, and I laughed because everybody sees the results, and you're like, it's kind of a long journey. And my answer was, well, of course. And I know most people don't think that. You know, it's always years and years of work. Like, but um, what were those moments? Like, what were the sites or the blogs or or the moments in, in within that ecosystem that kind of like first 
made it happen for you guys. You actually mentioned this song is sick before we went on air, and they yes. were one of the first blogs who posted us. Is and that we right? Freaked out when they posted us because, because you were fans of it already. Oh yeah, we trolled their blog like crazy for new music, and to be posted on there was such a huge deal for us because so, it meant we belonged in that community. You love hearing that. <laughs> I do because I should. I, I love being transparent. Like a couple months ago, I bought a very large stake in this song is sick. Amazing. Ah, yeah. So media did for our publishing decision. I just love those guys, and I just think that they do some of the most authentic stuff in I totally the yeah. EDM. So, very cool. That's cool to hear. And and so, what about um, what about online video? Like I've seen you guys put out several videos. Um, they look really cool. And mm. sure you watch them. Uh, how did those go for you guys? How's that experience been in general? I think what really gained attention for us was the Killing It video, and um, it was the first time that people saw the face for the artists, and I think that identifying uh, was really important for a fan and seeing what is beyond just the song that they're listening to, and at the time there weren't artists um, in the electronic dance music scene where the vocalists were actually in the group. A lot of the time, mm -hmm. the vocalist was a mystery. That's right. So you'd go to these festivals and like download these songs, and it would be just the name of the DJ or producer, and there would technically, it was like a ghost singer. You wouldn't yep. know who the singer is, or who the vocalist, or the writer of the song is. So we were one of the first groups at the time who had a producer in the group, it was Chris, who was in the group with us, and then um, Yasmin and I being the vocalist singers and songwriters of the group as well. And what about from your perspective? Like, from your vantage point, what have, what have you seen, what's been interesting in, in their rise or, or in the marketplace today? I just think they offered something completely different to the space. I mean, there was no women whatsoever on any of these dance music festivals, and Jahan and Yasmin had this real desire to understand the scene. They wanted to come at it from an authentic yet very different way, and that worked, and it always works online when it's, you know. When it's real. <laughs> yeah, when it's real. All right, let's get into these questions. Hey, what's up, Corella and Gary V? My name is Stephen Gold. There's so many good producers out there right now getting released on labels, getting uploads on Sheepy and Proximity, all these channels, getting blog coverage, even charting on Hype Machine. What separates the artists that get all this promotion and just get a little bit of royalties here and there and the artists that actually get to make a living off of music? I'd say anyone who isn't afraid to experiment and um, I always appreciate producers when I hear them who step outside a certain BPM or even genre. I always love risk-taking mentality. And uh, for me, those are the people that I'll remember for years and years. And um, just to name a few, like Skrillex, we're big fans of Skrillex, of course. Um, everything that like Jackie does is really cool. Pegboard nerds, we're huge fans of them. And uh, who else? I'd say Discord. We love what they do as far as experimentation. I also think that musicians who are able to create a song in our EDM world is amazing because you get so used to the build-up, then the drop, and the breakdown, and the build, and the drop, and it just seems so contrived after a while, but you get people like Calvin Harris who make real songs that embody so much more than just the build and the drop, and I think that is incredible. I think my answer is going to be slightly more in the context of how you guys know that I roll, which is I think the I think what separates it is the market decides. You know, this whole notion that like there's so much great music. I mean, I think there probably is, and I think some of the great music of all time was never heard because the market decided it wasn't mm -hmm. great. Meaning, who gets to decide what is great? 
And I always find that to be super fascinating. Is it an executive who's got an ear? Like, is it Clive Davis for the years? Like, absolutely not. It's, it's the end market. And so a lot of you email me and say, so I've been doing a daily vlog called Daily V, and a lot of music has been given to DRock for us, and we use a lot of it. And we're getting hundreds of emails now because they're getting a lot of exposure from the people that are watching the YouTube show, and it's helping them, so a lot of people want their music on the show. And everybody writes the same thing, which is, this is great, my stuff is great, everybody tells me it's great. And, and the answer is, I think at some level, like the market gets to decide. Like everybody wants to think they're great. It's almost like, I always think about it as the way like American Idol when it first came out, like those people that, in that first show of every season where they really truly, like, not the people that were like just trying to get on TV later, but those first two or three seasons where you would just genuinely see somebody who literally thought they were great. Right? Who literally thought they were great. And in that environment, judges got to decide if they moved on. I think what's so fascinating about today's music marketplace and the business marketplace is with the internet being the true middleman, whether you go with SoundCloud or blogs pick you up or you put out YouTube stuff or, or Vimeo or whatever you do, um, I think what separates you know, the people that make a living or not is the paying customer. That enough people decide you are great that it allows you to do it for a living. Mm. I, th I actually think the ones that do it for hobby versus living, it's quite simply 10,000 hours. I mean, when you, guys, when you guys started, it was very different than what it was four or five years later, and you guys continue to get better. And do you think that Malcolm Gladwell like, put in the work, but do you, do you really think that, do you, like for example, if yes, I, put, if I, I do. do you think if I put in 10,000 hours of EDM skills that I could be great at EDM? So, because I can tell you right now I can't. As, okay. So, like, like I, I, I genuinely think the talent has been stripped out of the equation. Well, is it like this or is it a producer? Both. Because I can tell you right now, that is just not in me. Whereas, whereas well, authenticity has to be a part of it. For and that's sure. not authentic to you. Well, that's right. That's right. But I do think the 10,000 hour yeah. thing is very fascinating. I do think, and I talk about hustle and hard work a lot. I, I just am surprised that talent is starting to get scripted out of the equation. Like, to be a musician, like you guys, like, you guys are talented. Like, that's a thing. But like, I, have to, I have to interject please, here. Please, and I don't jump. think that... I, first of all, I don't think that I'm up to par with certain artists that I look up to. Like, okay. if we're going to talk about like Adele's vocals. No, yes, I don't I think mean, I was born a prodigy. But you don't need to be the number one singer in the world to have success. But I don't think I was born with this like. Do you think innate... you have a better voice than the average hundred people out there? No, okay. I don't. Oh, yes. The reason, no, the reason oh, why I say you. that is because I think there's this <laughs> mentality today where people think artists are on this unattainable pedestal. But if you go back to like the beginning of human, human civilization, everyone was sitting in a circle, banging on some drums, and singing all together. It wasn't this like separate outside. I think that everybody's I think everybody can sing. I just don't think everybody wants to pay everybody to hear them sing. Today, I think it's different. I think it's it's vision. It's your voice. It's your songwriting. It's uh, it's how you curate your the music issue, videos. The issue, the issue with your romantic point of view right now <laughs> is it's not being executed in reality. There are hundreds of millions of people that want to do what you, there, there's tens of millions of Americans that want to do what you're doing right now. Like, and, and more interestingly, and you guys know this, you're in the scene, it's much what's happening in entrepreneurship, it's what's happening in athletics. Like, there are plenty of people 
that have put in lots and lots of hours, especially if they come from affluence where their parents have allowed them to be able to go to every fucking lesson 47,000 times. Like sometimes talent has to be part of the equation. And hunger too though. Because if you're saying those people are giving everything. Sure, I mean the word I think is a big variable. All right, before we start getting really (laughs) testy here, let's go to the second question. Hi Gary, I work with Brilliant Metrics. We're an iterative marketing consultancy. Um, I wanted to know your thoughts about how you build a brand strategically on social media. We have internal debates all the time in our office place about it because, one, it can be expensive, but it's also like building your brand on rented land. You have no control over the future of that platform, and if Twitter goes down, you lose a lot of your fan base. So I would love to know, how do you build your brand strategically on social media while getting um, the ROI that you put into it? All right, thanks so much. Bye. Ooh. That's a good I'm going to jump on this. I feel like that's one of your fans. I'm going to jump in. You don't get those questions after the show? Uh, so I think that that's a great question by Heather. I think that rented land has a negative point of view here right now in the way that she asked the question. So many people are scared that they don't own their Facebook page. They don't own their Snapchat account. What I don't think people understand is that's the way it's always been about everything always. Like when you showed up on television on Good Day, you know, on Good Morning America or on the Ed Sullivan Show, you didn't own that. You know, you're more than welcome to be able to go and build your own app and things of that nature. I think, you know, how we got connected with Backstage, you know, I'm an investor and you guys were like, I think where where that world is going is very fascinating to me, but I don't think it should cripple one. Do I think that if you can own it and execute it there and have everybody there, like an email list, like your own website, like your own app, does that have more upside? For sure. I think there's a chicken and egg issue though, mm-hmm. which is if nobody's there, like why do you go on Snapchat and Facebook? Because everybody's there and you want to siphon. I love how people are like, oh, I'm doing all this stuff for Facebook. No, no, Facebook's doing all this stuff for you. They've curated you know, hundreds of millions of people into one place that give you a chance to be seen or heard. So I think there's a little bit of a chicken and egg thing. I do think as you gain more traction and have more leverage, that you're able to take a little bit more control of your environment if you choose to. Um, but I think both work. And so to me, rented space is very comfortable to me. To me, anywhere where there's attention is a viable place for one to speak to the world and achieve their story outwardly. Um, and I would not be crippled by doing either or both. Jake. I couldn't have said that better. Damn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, I, I can do that naturally. That wasn't 10,000 hours of work. It was. For me, I'm like, let me let, let, me let our men talk about that. <laughs> All right, let's move it. Erica says, talk to us about the importance of knowing your fans and owning your own platform. So much importance. I totally think that you need to be able to connect with the people who are paying for your music, paying to come see your live shows, even not paying, just ripping offline and really loving your music. Those are the people who support your entire career. If you can't connect with them, whether that's online, face-to-face at shows, etc., then you have nothing. How much time are you guys spending, and it's okay if it's zero, I'm just curious, how much time are you spending actually engaging with your fans on social? Because for me, that feels scalable. Like, you can't be in Des Moines, Iowa right now, but if Susie says, I love your stuff, you can engage. It was such a big thing for me in my early days, but I do think that 
it's becoming out of that. I think people are spending mm. less time today than they did 36 months ago mm. engaging with fans. I think it's a little bit of a decline in Twitter. I think if you look at all the social networks besides Twitter, they're more push content out. Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, you push content out, whereas Twitter, when it was in its prime, was a little bit more back and forth. So I was curious, where do you, where, and don't, don't forget, it doesn't come natural to everybody, you're doing other things, but where are you guys right now with literally like making a video and being like, thanks Sal, or like replying to like Karen in a snap, or engaging with a comment in Instagram and actually replying to it? Probably. Tell the truth, because I'm gonna double check <laughs> and yeah. call you out if you bullshit me here in For my sure. house. Um, no, I would say not as much as we used to. If you what you were saying earlier about how you spent 15 hours responding yes. to yes. comments yes. Um, about an event that happened. Yes. When we first started off, Jake was saying, you know, follow every fan. Like Jake, you were really, you really encouraged us. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we used to. I remember being at the airport, waiting in line, responding to fans. Being in the car, responding mm. to fans. And after a certain period of you time, I actually, <laughs> I felt it, it actually really worked well for us as far as building our social media fan base. But I felt like it stifled my creativity. Interesting. Um, and like living in, not really knowing how to live in the real world. Yes. It, it, if in a way, I felt like every moment I had to wait, or every moment I didn't have to talk to someone, every moment I was sitting at a table, I was on my phone. So nowadays, I actually practice just giving myself an allotment of time, and I feel like our fan base is really understanding of that because we've been pretty vocal of that. And, Interesting. Um, so I don't think they take it take it personally. Right. But it takes us five days to respond. Right. That's your team. authentic place. Yeah, and I also feel like spiritually, I'm going in one direction where I want to spend less time online. Yes. Business wise, I understand that it's of so course. important to engage, but that's why we, we do have people like you know what about Jake. You? And, yeah. Um, I go through phases. We mm -hmm. just released an EP a month ago. I was online the entire week, pretty much, just responding to people consistently. Mm -hmm. Kind of went downhill after there, and I probably spend a good three hours every week, maybe just responding to people every Monday or every Friday. I just sit down every and morning where? and just respond. Where? What platforms? Twitter, mainly. Twitter. That's the only are one you guys I really... Are you guys producing content for Snapchat? No. Really? <laughs> <laughs> but this is why it's, I, I just want to say, as an artist, it is really important to have a marketing firm, have management, have friends, have interns, have people to help curate content. We, what we do is we'll sit down, we create like a meeting once a week. Hey, look at all these pictures. These yep. are fun pictures we've yep. taken. This is what we did. Here's what we want to say about yep. it, and have someone else kind of do that work on that. And so I, it's not I, I think good. I think I don't think that's an artist statement. I think it's great that you have self awareness to know what works for you. Because mm. I think for certain artists, they should be doing a ton of that because it's what comes natural to them. A lot of my business friend contemporaries are like, "You're running all these businesses. Like, why are you spending four hours a day engaging with fans?" I'm like, "That's my natural state. It's where I get my information from. It's what I want to do." But I don't think that that's what everybody should do. I think I liked listening to the way you guys answered. What I like is I just think you guys are figuring yourselves out and putting yourself in the best position to succeed and I think really that ultimately is, is the main play. I really do. I think fans crave an experience, a story, much more than, the, and content, much more than they crave whether or not you're responding to them. I disagree. So for I, you, I, I, would, I would actually argue, and, and you yeah, right. Um, I'm completely, and I have a lot of data to support this, believe that access is the most valuable thing an artist can now bring to the table. I agree. Access meaning that you're touch. accessible. Yes. Some sort of access. Like happy birthday to some, you. Some, but I think yeah. you can I think you can touch a movement. So like you deal with a lot of brands. If a brand doesn't respond to a, a question sure. within four hours, that's a problem. But when you're an artist, your responsibility so I is think to create I think, amazing I think, you, I think that's for yeah. sure. So first of all, no good marketing solves a shit product. 
If you guys engaged 24-7 with everybody, but your music sucked shit, you would lose. On the flip side, I do think that people really underestimate, I can promise you right now, your top 5,000 fans would shit their pants if you replied to them on Snapchat. I don't even know how to do that. Do you want to do that. a Snapchat? <laughs> I, think I, I, know, I don't so even know. How do you reply? Yeah. Well, no, no. We're, we're, not, we're not going to do this right now because we're still in the middle of the she show. The Snapchat but what I'm going to do right now is even more interesting. Guys, this is my Snap. <laughs> Can you guys make a commitment to uh, get serious about Snap? Oh, God, no. I'm <laughs> sorry. I can't. Please? <sighs> I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> See, the thing is, yes. about Snapchat, the reason it's the one platform that I do not use okay, is because it's the one so you're not even listening I don't understand. understand. I'm listening to you. How do you, how do, you do that and listen at the same time? You guys are crazy. Part. You're generation man. No, 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 no. I think, <laughs> I think, I think that um, it's behavior, right? It's the 10,000 hours. You put in the work, you can do it. I mean, I think you like multitask like that for 10,000 hours. I think you multitask quite a bit. I, I do. Of course. Definitely. It's just what we do. Let's move on. Tom asks, how do you girls get hooked up with Jake Udell? How big of an influence has it had on your career? High school. Yep. I graduated with Jake Udell. Jake was in my set. What was it? Which science class? Was it biology? I was All I know is I got a D. I got a D. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Jake, you were actually, if you want to talk about your music career, you were pursuing being an artist then. I was at the time. Like the worst. Yeah, you, DJ Khaled, DJ Drama actually posted my just, Why didn't you just put in 10,000 hours? I did, I did. <laughs> so here's the thing, I gave up on my 10,000 hours as a musician, and my second Because you didn't have the talent. Okay, I'm with that. But oh, Jake has this swag. Like, See, here's the thing, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, Look I made a pivot and said, okay. Because you were smart. <laughs> because not everybody can do everything. But here's the thing, I actually believe, I believe if you put in the 10,000 hours, it can happen. Like, no, no, I'm not saying you could be at performing at the Grammys, but you can, it's possible to have a hit record. I believe that that can happen because okay. a lot of the, yeah. Anything can happen, well, but it doesn't consistently happen. Like, like to me, that's the point, which is like, I'm just... Well, that's what was so fascinating about what Malcolm said, though. Malcolm said he couldn't find people that had put in the 10,000 hours that had it made. Of course, because their stories weren't known, but it was, it was, he was trying to find them, and he couldn't find them. I mean, how many hours did you put into rapping? Oh, my gosh. Exactly. The bottom line not, is... Not 10,000, though. Not even close. But, like, that's yeah. impossible. Like, if you suck shit at something and you put in 10,000 hours, you're not going to become one of the greats right. in it. Yeah, I was a better marketer. I mean, there's enormous amounts of kids that play... Every single kid that tried to become a professional athlete that didn't become a professional athlete, which is almost everybody, put in all the hours from first grade to senior year and didn't make it. 10,000, though. I mean... That's, that's the thing. When you look at that, so when you say about... Like, I don't even know rapper, what the math on 10,000 hours is. Did I spend 10,000 hours for my rap career or was I 10,000 hours in the studio? I was definitely not 10,000 hours in the studio like trying to be the best rapper. Nobody will... I love Malcolm. Nobody can convince me that... Like, if that was true, yeah. then we should tell every six-year-old right now, spend every minute of your time on the number one thing that you want to be, and you will become that. And that is absolute bullshit. I, I think that that's absolutely true. So you think if I take yes. a first grader right now and say, you're going to become a world-class surfer. If and he they, wants to be. It, if yes. he or she wants to be, then you think they'll become a world-class surfer. Uh, it's so tough. I, I think they'll find their career in surfing. And I think that that's a, that's a logical, like, great decision for that six-year-old. And you're saying that because you found your career in the music industry. Yeah. Whether yeah. or not you were trying to yeah, be well, a manager The thing is, so that guy before, the first question he was asking about, like, Nobody his career Nobody wants to be a, a manager producer. when they want to be the star. I do. No, now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When you, were, when you were 11, 
Like, well, they, I believed in them more than I believed in myself, so that was the uh, turning point. Because they had talent. Yeah. Uh, I think really? that I think that that's <laughs> the point. I, 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 no, I really mean that because you have to understand where I'm coming from and where my energy is coming from. Right now, we're living through the greatest era of fake entrepreneurs ever. Mm-hmm. Every single person that is under 25 is coming out of school, and they're like, "I'm an app founder." I'm sure you talk to these people. <laughs> well, everybody's sure. a fucking entrepreneur, and they just think because they've said it and they're going to put in the time and effort, like that automatically makes them a successful entrepreneur and that's just and that's the key which is you can be anything do I believe if I put in 10,000 hours into surfing that I'd be a good surfer I sure do do I think I could win the competitions they have in Hawaii no I do not I think there's a secondary thing that has to happen like look at the NBA like you you mentioned Adele what about the 12th man on the heat Right? He's one of the best 300 basketball players in the world, but you know, like, and he's made it. But what about the person right after that? The person in the D League that's making tens of thousands of dollars? That guy is literally one of the 500 best basketball players in the world, but hasn't won, hasn't made it by that Malcolm categorization. And then you have just millions of people. There's millions of people that are trying to make EDM and hip hop music right this second. And so many of them can't succeed in the marketplace because the talent is a variable. Mm. I really do believe that. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't see how one doesn't understand that. There's so many people that want it. There's so many people that put in those hours in so many things, especially in music and sports, which are very high, glossy, exciting things to be in society. Like, I don't know. I'm fascinated by the talent conversation because I think it's a dangerous conversation because the, the, I was picking and prodding. The reason I'm in a good mood is you're talking a lot more now about self-awareness. I think a lot of kids right now are getting eighth place trophies mm-hmm. and they think they're good enough and then the world hits them in the face and that's why we have so much depression and other things that people don't... Everybody wants a rah-rah, everybody, that you can do it. Nobody understands that when they don't do it, what happens to that kid's psyche? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think part of being a successful young person is you get the opportunity to make those pivots. You get the opportunity to say, okay, I'm in eighth place. Maybe I should become a coach. Maybe I should change yes, my career. But when, when you were getting the direction that you can still do it, you can still do it, when so few can, then you start getting into a place where we're selling a bill of goods to the youth that isn't true, and you start dealing with what I think the mental health issues that are not being talked about, where everybody all of a sudden, after 50 years of prosperity in America, thinks that they're gonna become Adele and LeBron, and they don't, and then they're baffled. And they, do, you, yeah. do you think that when you talk about like the 10,000 uh, hour rule that the people that are making it, it, do you think part of that, the equation is perseverance though? Because so, you could maybe, like you, you should have heard the songs we wrote back in the day. And like you would tell, we still write to this day. And I could have yes, said, I could have yes. checked out and said, hey, I, I just I don't think have it's a reverse talent. thing. I don't think there's a single person that's successful that didn't put in the hard work. Which is the reverse of the conversation. I just don't think if you put in the hard work, you can necessarily be successful. There's nobody that's achieved what you've achieved or what I've achieved that got there by accident and didn't put in the work. How many entrepreneurs or talented people have you met that have put in the level of work that you've put in to what you do to create all of this amazing office, by the way, that haven't made it at a significant level? I don't know any. First of all, nobody works 18 hours a day like I do, but um, the, the punchline is I know a lot of kids that have been hustling for the last six or seven years trying to build and are on their third business and they're never gonna make it. A lot. Because they're shlemiels. They don't have it. They're what? Shlemiels. They don't have it. They don't have it. It's probably a Yiddish word if I had to really get to the core of it. They don't have the skill to be a business person that can make a business successful. The end. 
They're the kids on American Idol who literally come, think they're Adele, sing, and, and we all laugh. you think they put in the work, though? Because the fact that they're on their third business, a lot of them being schlemiels, is that they're, they're kind of BSers. They're not... Wait a minute. Let's go, let's go into a different place. Yeah. I feel like Are I'm you good. telling me that talent has no part of the equation oh, of success? huge. Well, that's what you're saying. Huge. But um, I just want you to know, by talent, definition, talent, I want you to rewatch this. You can work this. to achieve talent. I, I truly believe that. And there have been so many people in our in like in our experience who have come around that we maybe no, met no, three, no, no, four no, no. years I understand. ago. I understand. Really I think people can break through and get better. Do you think everybody can? Do you think no. the majority can? No. Well, then that's no. But I think everybody. I think everybody has a unique talent, though. It might not be music or sports. They have to find it. But part of being a successful twenty-something is understanding how to maneuver in times of, of change and understand that you have to sometimes pivot to And how successful. many of those 20-year-olds are going to find success? How many 20-year-olds? As many that want to. As many that are studying the same, the same principles and have the same values that you have. Last question before I get really tired. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm going to burn this table But I love it. I love it. I love it because I love, like, first of all, it's so funny because I'm the most optimistic person I know and I feel like I'm Debbie Downer here. I, I do think what's scaring me and why I'm talking about it is I think the pendulum's swinging a little bit too much to anybody can make it, everybody can make it, just put in the work. And I'm, I believe in that, but I think that that maximizes what you have. I think the work will maximize what you have. I just don't think everybody has it, especially when you get into art. When you get into music and sports and things of that nature, I think it's a tough challenge. Last question. Chris asks... How do you girls stay so grounded in a fake world? In a fake world? Mm. I don't know. Why is the world going to be fake? Yeah. <laughs> no, the people I surround myself with aren't fake. Yeah, same. And who says people. you guys are grounded? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we might be batshit crazy, you just don't know. Um, if I were to answer that question, I would also say family. We are family for each other. Obviously, we're sisters, and we're very close with our family, and nothing happens that doesn't slide by our dad or our mom. And... They keep us in check, and we keep each other in check, mm. and yeah. And that's also cool. not uh, feeling entitled. Like I think that's something we re- were really surrounded by, especially in the dance music realm. There were so many DJs who we who have this entitled aura, and you can see it online and in person. There's so and much like subtext to what you're saying right now, and it, it almost is implying that there's this like hierarchy of like who, what kind of like value you bring, and why that's more valuable than other careers or other realms in art, and. I think back to what you even the first question when you're saying what made you pop off or something yeah. like like I've never I actually never really felt like we popped off I never really felt like we made it and I don't think mm. I think the day I really feel like Cruella made it is when I'm, I'm gonna lose that hunger and I think we have to constantly remind ourselves to to understand our value and our worth and to acknowledge our achievements as artists but not to let that hinder us from you know, having that hunger to work every day, to go to the studio every day, to say yes to opportunities. Because the second you start saying like, oh, oh no, I'm, I'm good, you know. I, we mean like, it. Exactly. Or I'm too good. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? For them? Or just in, what, about the game, right? Like, where do you think, actually, well, yeah. I've got you for another second. And Bring like, it. like, where is the current state of EDM in your guys' opinion? Like, you know, obviously it was a space that like, I don't know, eight years ago, nine years ago, most people didn't know about. I still think there's a lot of people who are watching who are 40, 50-year-old marketing dudes that have no idea what this space is and they're going to Google it. But obviously, when you start talking to a 35 and under demo in America, and obviously in Europe and other places, it's been huge. Like, everybody at this point already knows it. It's, like, so interesting to... Like, it's really, to me, 
the thing that has most followed hip hop as a new genre that didn't really exist before. And I don't, I'm curious for you guys who are much closer to it, like where is it in its life cycle just starting, uh, hitting an interesting time, like it's become dramatically more mainstream than it was five, six years ago. Like what's your kind of point of view on it? I think it's plateaued. I think it's hit, hit the climax, okay. but I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. Um, it's just branched off in so many different directions. There's so many different subgenres. There's new artists coming through every day. Guys like Skrillex and Diplo are doing a great job of co-signing younger talent, bringing them up through the system. And there's the difference between it now and what it was, you know, 15 years ago was how much corporate backing there is. I mean, you see it with the brands all the time and how badly they want to be involved with these entities. And the biggest, the biggest, you know, throwers of festivals in the world, these biggest uh, entertainment companies of the world, have put so much money into making sure that it's going to stay where it is yeah. and, keep, and keep growing. Please. It's hard for me to comment on this because I do feel like we've never quite belonged in the EDM world. Okay. And so it's hard for me to look at us as even still a part of it, even though I know that it's kind of one foot in the door, one out for us. Okay. Um, we've always tried to maintain our own lane while still, again, keeping one okay. foot in the EDM world. Understand. I think that that's probably a good thing for us because, like Jake said, I agree. I think it's plateaued. And we have this amazing opportunity to take ourselves on a completely different lane and pave our own way. Do our own thing. Yeah, it's cool. Um, I just want to, I think like a lot of what we're talking about when you're talking about like depression with yes. a lot of these young entrepreneurs, yes. um, maybe feeling let down that they can't really achieve the success that they've been hyped up to achieve. Yes. What do you think like our society being a more and more fame obsessed society has to do with us, that, especially with social media? I think, uh, I, yeah, I think, I think the whole 15 minutes of fame has become everybody's famous to 15 people. You know, you've got an entire generation of young teens right now that take 45 minutes to take a selfie because they want to get the lighting right and they post it on Instagram and it doesn't get enough likes, they take it down right away. Like, peer pressure and like, you know, like the way, I, I've never been more obsessed with instill. I have a seven and four year old. Like, instilling self-esteem into them is everything because they're gonna need it really, really yeah. big because the market's gonna push back on every one of their flaws. Um, yeah, I, I think we're living through a really, really interesting time. I really do. I, I think there's a lot of things happening at once. This is not a very simple issue where it's just like social media. I think parents, I'm 40, parents of my generation that grew up during great times, you know, we're not our parents or our great parents, great grandparents generation where they fought wars and the depression and things of that nature. We've had so much prosperity that I think if you look at every empire, that when things are good for too long, people become soft. And I think that's what's happening. I think, I, I think we're soft. And I think, you know, um, coming from an immigrant DNA, like you guys, it's, like, it's easier for me to see it. Like I just think we're soft and I think that, um, and, and I think that I don't wanna add to it. As a very positive, optimistic, rah-rah, crush it, anybody can do it guy, I wanna also at least have the other part of the equation which is of course hard work, of course talent, and of course like, look, there's so much going on in the world right now, I think we're all sensitive to a lot of different things that are happening, like you never know when prosperity can end, it ends in a blink, and so I'm just, I'm thankful for the way it is, I'm not gonna, I do not think kids being stuck in their cell phones all day is a bad thing, I don't think that's ruining them, I think technology's eating the world, and I think it's gonna be more of that, I think that when you guys first started doing shows to compare to now, if you think about phone usage at your shows when you guys are standing there, I'm curious what you think of like what's going on down there because that's just their norm. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I love when people, you know that, do you guys see that picture of like the 90 year old woman that was in the crowd when the Pope came and everybody took a photo and she didn't and everybody made a big deal about that? You did. Did you see this? No. Yeah. So, so I, did you see it? You guys see it? You see it? So there was a photo like six months ago when the Pope came to the US, I think, like that everybody made a big deal about, which is everybody's taking a photo of it and she's just standing, she's like 90 and she's just standing there and everyone's like, she's a hero. And literally, I take a reverse view on it. I'm like, I feel bad for her because she's old and she probably already forgot about that moment, whereas everybody else recorded it. And I know it's a funny thing. age discrimination. Know, of course it's age discrimination. I'm trying to make a zings joke. I'm sure she remembers it. I have no idea who she is. But I think that change is tough. In the same way that, like, like in staying to music, both hip-hop and EDM, one foot in, one foot out, both of those genres had nothing but haters in the beginning saying that's not real music. Mm-hmm. And I just don't like when people impose their thoughts. Like, just because kids are communicating this way doesn't mean that millennials are introverted. And I love when all my old friends, and when I say old, I mean 35-year-olds, say that these kids can't hold a real conversation because they're happening here. Meanwhile, these same kids spoke to the same six people their entire childhood because they didn't have the outlet to different people, different things. These kids are much more worldly. They know a lot more. And so I don't think anything is bad. I'm pretty much an optimist that way. but I am worried about depression because I do think way more scary to me than living a public life and fame obsession is parents telling their kids things that are realistic. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that like we have to train our generation to deal with adversity, and I don't think getting an eight a trophy. That, I do not think that if you come in fucking last place that your team should be cheering and celebrated and given trophies. They should be looked at like, you guys suck shit, you lost. So you think that this is? <laughs> I really believe that's healthy. But the advice to the entrepreneur to like to push through and to these to guys are going out of business. Do you understand what's going to happen? So ninety nine percent of the next one. It's not an opportunity to get better. On to the next one. Of course keep, it is. Keep going. You people out there, keep going. <laughs> yes, of course keep going. But if you are not self aware, if you kept rapping, my man, you would not be as happy as you are today. Agreed. So now go tell them to keep going when they were delusional. You'll figure it out. <laughs> that was the moment. That's the bottom line. You understand? But, but yes, keep, keep going. Keep evolving. Make, yes. But blindly going that I'm going to be Eminem isn't going to work. But if you don't do that, you'll never, you'll never figure it out. So like, if I hadn't put all that time and energy into that, I wouldn't have understood how that's to market a, recording that's a, today. That's a very yeah. different thing than keep evolving and being self-aware and understanding your strengths and weaknesses to create the next opportunity versus what people normally hear when you hear keep going, which is if I just keep putting in more hours, eventually I'm going to put out that's a song. That's how it works. I think that's, how, how, no, that's, that's not what you did. did. You didn't keep just putting out songs. I did until, until you, something else. But if I hadn't kept going, if I would have stopped those thousands and thousands of times people told me I couldn't do it. But please understand yeah. this conversation yeah, and re-look back at it. You adjusted to a different opportunity yes. off those learnings. That is not what people that's hear. Keep, I, that's keep going, though. By your definition. Yes. But I'm telling yeah. you right now, that's not what people hear. When people hear keep going, they think they're going to break through in the thing that they want. You know, everybody wants to be a famous singer, a famous athlete, and a famous actor. And if that person keeps acting instead of becoming a director, which is maybe the skill set they have, they're going to lose. So I think what you're saying, we keep going, stay focused, but be open to reinventing yourself along be the way. Be self-aware. It's the, my favorite part of this. It's what I jumped on earlier. If you actually know yourself, you can win so much more. Just this blind faith that everybody's entitled to this level of success is ludicrous. Because most people don't want to work hard enough. Most people don't have enough talent. And the math has proven that that's not the case. The bottom 
of the 1%, the 1% earners in America, the top 1% earners, the bottom of that make $400,000 a year. If you go talk to every 15 to 22 year old, they don't even conceive anything being short of a millionaire, of making a million dollars a year. But the data shows only 1% of our US society make $400,000 or more, and that makes them one of the top 1%. We have not had the proper conversation. For every one of you guys, there are 50,000 groups that didn't make it, and it wasn't because they gave up one year too early. They just weren't talented enough. That's what I believe. Question of the day. Drops the mic. You guys, you guys get to ask the question of the day, which is cool. I'm curious to see where you guys go with it. You get to ask the Vayner Nation any question. There'll be hundreds of answers on YouTube and Facebook. Oh, go. you get to ask Yes. It? Oh, you. my God. Because I, I feel guess. like I kind of asked you. No, nope, not wondering. me. You're asking the masses. Everybody who just watched this Wait, right can now. we have like a minute to think about yes. it? Okay. Yes. Okay. Something, something, something that I wanted to ask you, but I guess I can ask everyone else because a lot of them are in the same boat as you. As a parent, how would you raise your children with or without social media? Or technology in general, mm. how would you? That would be interesting. Or what? Or with it, if, if they kept, if you decided for them to like have social media in their life, if you decided not to ban social media from the household, how? What would your child rearing be like? You know, what kind or of technology in general? Yeah. I mean, you see one-year-olds on an iPad. You know, I mean, and do you see that as bad? I don't know. I'm not a parent. I understand, but you're a human. I don't like it. It disgusts me. Yeah, I mean, when I see it, I've seen. I've been in like too many airplane restaurant or airport restaurants where I've seen like a parent on their iPhone and like a baby with an iPad and like the toddler like playing another game and the toddler playing another game. Now, what if I showed you the world 18 years from now and the entire ecosystem of relevance and being able to even survive in it is predicated on technology because that's the evolution of man. Okay, okay. So now maybe this is my like romantic point of view, like you said before. What's the big deal of being relevant? Why is Everyone's so obsessed with saying, oh, you're not relevant anymore. Oh, you're trying to be relevant. Everyone's so obsessed relevant, with being Relevant is contextual. But relevant, culturally relevant. Relevant like, is you can't even communicate to your grandchildren because they're only willing to text you and you miss your granddaughter. That's why granddaughter. Yeah, I think it's important to adapt. I, but I, I think it's important to adapt. But at the same time, I think that... My, at least what I've seen from my generation and younger is this obsession with being relevant. And it's all based on, like pop culture as if like if you don't know what's going on or if you're not tweeting about that's what's going on changed. or if you're one that's never changed it used to be confined to a high school because you wanted to be popular and I now like just living under a rock I don't know you're more than welcome <laughs> you're more than welcome I think you guys should chill I'm down right now no problems <laughs> live under a rock I think we're losing value in of course things. there's always a trade. I don't want that to my value to be based off of what I know in pop culture, what basketball team is winning. You have to like, understand who, that. Like who the, performed on what award show and I, like But you don't have to, and many people don't, but you also have to understand that same technology is why you're even sitting here right now. The information that is built on top of the internet itself is the only reason, maybe not the only reason, you might have had been lucky in an old school music environment and had somebody in LA say, no, no, you two girls are gonna make it. Like, but there's always pros and cons to innovation. I get that. That's why I'm, ex- I'm, a, I'm an extremely conflicted artist because the very system that we're working within, it's also like, I see myself going the opposite direction. I think, spiritually, like I said I, think, I think that's cool and I think you're in full control and I think much like anything, even though we may disagree in certain things in this episode and like what people watch, like that's what's awesome. Like, first of all, it's gonna play out. Like, I think humans have a good track record of sticking around. We've been around for a long time. We've evolved. Go, you know what you would get a real kick out of? Go read 
the articles written about the invention of the television, the invention of the phone, mm -hmm. the invention of video games, all of it ruined us. Yeah. I'm ruined because I played Zelda and my place is much out. <laughs> just so you know. We weren't allowed to play video games growing up. Respect. Yeah. Alright, we're out of here. <laughs> you keep asking questions, we'll keep debating them. <laughs>